buckle up and get ready for the journey as we navigate the ongoing relationship between belief and life, theology and doxology, or as we like to say, theodox. Welcome to the Theodox Podcast. Hey, welcome to uh, Theodox Podcast. This is an episode of uh, Q&A to follow up from our first two episodes. And um, really, this just flows out of some things that we felt like could probably be expanded on some or even some questions that we got. So we want to encourage you to submit other questions and thoughts, and then we will try to do Q&As in between some of our main episodes. So as if we know how to answer their questions anyways. <laughs> well, let's just go in and get that out of the way. This is a humble attempt to maybe answer some of those questions, knowing that I don't know everything, but Gracie no. might. Uh, heck no. <laughs> Please don't assume that. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, sometimes there are things that, you know, we say mm-hmm. that maybe we didn't have the opportunity to develop our thoughts and say them clearly or, or we need to recant. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> maybe we need to uh, take something back, um, which is completely possible. But yep. so, um, I just want to start with asking you, or and, and I have notes on my questions, so I do have notes to, on your questions. Yeah, questions to ask you, um, <laughs> and you have some to ask me, I'm sure. So, in the recording, of the first episode, there was there was something you had mentioned beforehand that because we interrupted you a little bit and got joking, that you didn't get the opportunity to expand on, and I think yeah. this would be good because. Um, yeah, you mentioned stake in theology. Yeah, and so I just want you to tell. Tell us a little bit more about what your thoughts are on th- stake in theology and when does that start? So I got a little distracted when you started going with Eve and evil. So that <laughs> kind of definitely sidetracked my thought process, thought I had to address that first. Um, but yeah, stake in theology is something that I feel like should, and this was a thought initially amongst women just because like we talked about in the first episode, a a lot of theology is kind of lacking there in that pursuit. Um, But it's just kind of the idea of like, let's not do pat cake lessons. Let's go, let's dive deeper. Let's have some real meat, some real. So you're, I mean, I thought you were really meaning like you you were going to have steak. I, it is literal. And it's like kind of an analogy of that deep theological truth. So like theology, yes, but I want steak because I'm not a fan of salads personally. Like I'll eat them as like a a little appetizer just to feel better about myself. But I want the steak. I want the real deal. So if we can have like women's studies, I mean, they can, I mean, men can be there too. I really don't care. But in general, I just want steak at church. (laughs) Truthfully. (laughs) Just steak at church. And I'd be fine for that to start ASAP to answer the half half part of your question you're, so you're not organizing it um not yet you know i'm i'm talking with a few people higher up people than myself no, to, you're not. You're no, just that. <laughs> no i'm not um but yeah i'd be i'd be cool with that starting asap all right stake in theology somebody start that yeah who wants to sign up because we're taking sign ups it's a byos bring your own stake <laughs> nice Based on our first episode, mm-hmm. I know to hear that we're all theologians, we're all theologizing and doing that dance. Um, as Christians, we're all theologi- theologizing. I mixed that up bad. But it can sound pretty daunting when we think about that process. Yeah. And if you're anything like me, you can get overwhelmed pretty easily and knowing that we need to be striving after those truths. Um, but would you... 
are you meaning i guess from that that we should all be studying like four hours a day writing books like we should be like the greatest of the great in essence that's what we should be right is that what you're saying <laughs> well i wasn't the only one on the podcast so i don't know if it's fair to say that's what i was saying <laughs> that's but... what you joshua brooks <laughs> were saying on episode one <laughs> um I think, so our objective, I believe, in coming at this was realizing that there's a lot that Americans do in the American church in the name of Christianity that's not based on really anything substantial. So I think the primary objective is to say, hey, let's really think um, deeply about what we're doing and why we're doing it. And so in that sense, really getting to a theological basis is necessary. So... Um, that's, that's one objective. And, and the other, um, I guess, aspect of that is no, not everyone is going to study those many hours a day. Like that's not what we're saying at all. I think probably so the, just three hours. Yeah. Two and a half. Okay. If you're godly, it'll be two and a half at, at a minimum. No, yeah. <laughs> everybody's at a different place in life. I mean, everybody's at a different, has a different schedule. Everybody has different, um, things going on and that's not, the point is not to say we should be studying X number of hours. I think there's a, what's necessary is to look at the relationship between theology, what we understand and the impact of that thing. For example, the thief on the cross, we see hardly, I mean, very low level of theological understanding. I mean, what he said, you know, one thief is, 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 um, He's mocking Jesus. Right. And the other one says, hey, we shouldn't mock him. Obviously, this guy is, has done nothing wrong, and here we are as criminals. And he, and he turns to Jesus and says, remember me when mm-hmm. you enter your kingdom. Not, not a whole lot of theological understanding. No, nope, just belief. <laughs> but a huge impact. <laughs> yeah. And so I think the, the greater significance is to ask ourselves, what is the impact of what I do understand? Mm. And praying, asking the Holy Spirit, asking God to impact my heart with this truth. So, um, I, and, and then the more we um, know God and get to know God, the more that desire is going to grow. So, no, I, I mean, obviously, our aim is not to try to put some very extensive weight on people to say, this is what you got to be doing. Because if you listen to the doxology episode, there's a lot with our lives being worshiped that's actually saying just the opposite mm-hmm. and resting in in God and what he's done and his work in us. So there needs to be a serious theological pursuit because what's different about us compared to the thief is the thief died. So he had very low theological understanding, very big impact, mm-hmm. and then he died. Well, we're still alive. And so there is a weight upon us to continue that pursuit uh, in whatever circumstances and ways that we're able to continue and uh, looking for that impact to be in correlation with it. I don't know. So if it's going to look different for each person yeah, depending absolutely. on um, their current circumstances, their jobs, like where they're physically located. Like it, I mean, their circumstances are going to determine a lot of what they're able to yes. do. So everybody, there's has- no hard and fast rule on how many hours or what degree there is but a pursuit 
and looking for a specific impact. Everybody should write at least three books. Three books at a minimum. (laughs) You know, I would prefer five, but three is a good starting point. Just kidding. um, Yeah, understanding that we're all in a different place in our journey towards knowing God, and that's not to make God ambiguous. It's the God of the Bible, Mm -hmm. but we all are at a different place. He's given us different skills and abilities and talents and cognitive abilities. All these things are different. Um, right. But it's the pursuit and the impact of that pursuit that yeah. we're really after. Just a quick follow-up question on that one. Since uh, it's we're, my turn. No, no. I'm, I'm okay. taking this one. Sorry. Um, since we're talking about that already. So if somebody is kind of new to this pursuit um, and pursuing theology, how would you recommend someone begin? Hi, Arlo. Y'all can see we're um, we're in a very relaxed setting with yes. a couple of dogs, and they are here and they're chilling. <laughs> yep. So get to know Arlo, and I don't know Opal. You can't see Opal. Yeah, I don't know if you can see her, but anyway. she's down here. How, how, I'm sorry. What was that again? Yeah, sorry. How would you recommend someone begin a pursuit of theology? Uh, firstly, prayer. Prayer. Um, knowing that again, that impact of the theology can't. We can't make that impact our hearts. So we are praying, asking God to impact our hearts. And we are praying to God to give us the desire to study. So prayer is the first step of knowing or recognizing that I don't have the power and Mm -hmm. I'm asking God to do it. Um, Because for myself, I know I'm not a reader. Like I, reading doesn't come naturally. So like when we're talking about, you know, we need to, go to the Bible and find this theology, like that is not a natural thing for me. And yet knowing as a believer that this is something that I should pursue, I think like you said, prayer is a huge impact on knowing this isn't something that I naturally want to do or find fun, honestly, just reading anything um, except for Facebook posts. And that goes right back to what we were just saying though everyone's everyone's different right and so somebody who loves to read um they might naturally just read more of scripture now that doesn't necessarily mean they're grasping it in the way that god wants them to but they might read more Mm -hmm. and and so that that combination of the understanding and the impact i think is really important um but yeah, you might not read a ton or you, you it might not come naturally. So you're having to, to pray to mm-hmm. God to ask for that because he, that is the primary way he's revealed himself mm-hmm. is through a book. And I'm, we've got another podcast coming out on scripture. So I'm not wanting to minimize and say it's just a book, but it is in the form of a book right. for us to read. So that's obviously the next step, you know, is we have to read scripture. Mm-hmm. We have to read um, God in the way that he has presented himself. And I, I guess I would just throw out. And um, so there are various ways people read the Bible, but if you're wanting to grow in, in theological understanding, I think the first question you have to ask yourself when reading scripture is what does this say about God? Yeah. And if you ask that, knowing that God is, God is, uh, three in one. So we have a triune God and it might be specifically God, the father, God, the son, or God, the Holy spirit, or it might be God, our triune God. But in every passage, asking that first mm-hmm. is going to lead you on a journey of getting to know God. And it's going to shift your view of scripture from, you know, my little help book to 
the the avenue of knowing God. Right. And so it's not anything crazy deep. I mean, if you just approach a passage and go like, okay, I'm just wanting to get to know God. What does this say about God? Right. It's you're going to see it in Scripture, mm-hmm. and I think that's the the ease the the best way because that's your pursuit then is to know mm-hmm. God. And that's what the Bible's about. Yeah. About God. Don't get into our next podcast. I know. I'm sorry. Or, I was trying to throw in spoilers without them knowing that they were spoilers just, just to make just you upset. Okay. But um, also just like some practical tips, I would say, like making sure that we aren't going to other authors and writers outside of scripture over scripture itself. <laughs> Your arm tastes good, apparently. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, but... I know a lot of times like a like a theological book that's not the Bible sometimes can be easier to read or understand. Yeah. So making sure that that's not like our primary focus, like that's good and we can learn a lot of awesome things through that. But also in that way, you have to be careful of who you're reading. Um, but I would like recommend as far as some of these things, just starting small, like not ex- having specific expectations on yourself that going from like zero to 60 all of a sudden like not studying theology at all and then going like full force and i'm going to be awesome at this and i'm going to come away with some great understandings every single time i read um it really helped me to become consistent when i peeled back that expectation i'm still working on that as far as an expectation of amount of time and an expectation of a great understanding or coming away with some aha aha moment (laughs) um that i feel like i need to hold dear to my heart for the rest of the of the day so like kind of just peeling back those layers and like you're saying read it for what it says read it to know who god is start small start with something that's obtainable like don't try to just dive in there for four hours a day all of a sudden when you don't normally read in the first place like know yourself and know what your limitations are. Yeah, and we'll get more specific on that when we follow up on podcast on scripture itself. Right. But I think that firstly, um, asking what does this say about God mm-hmm. is going to narrow all that down to getting to know him, and that's going to orient that correctly. And um, no, that's great. Yeah. What, what would you say has been the most impactful theological truth for your life? So I'm going to be pretty basic, and, but it is also my answer. So I would say the sovereignty of God has been the most impactful. And I was, I was telling my husband this and he was like, yeah, that's the answer that's expected. But I was like, well, dang, but <laughs> it's true. Um, the sovereignty of God has been so impactful and just meaning that God is in control of all things. He can do whatever he wants, whenever, with whomever and however he sees fit. Um, that sounds, when I say it like that, that sounds very scary. And at times it is, but overall, like so much of my life has been at peace with that, knowing that I don't have to live up to X, Y, and Z because I, I can't. And knowing that God is in control and he can, and he does live up to all that he is. Um, so I would say just knowing that that my creator, my God is above all and is in control of all. And that my life isn't in shambles. Um, even though it looks like it to me at times 
that God has a plan and, and a purpose, and that might not be to feel good all the time, yeah. um, but it's it's a grounding steadfastness that carries me through all the hard times, and so I would have to say that one. What would what would you say? Um, well, I think something to add to that first is that for those who aren't in Christ. God being the sovereign ruler of all things is a terrifying thing. Right. But for the children of God to know that the God is who is in control of all things is my heavenly father. Mm -hmm. Like that truth coupled with the sovereignty is what makes it refreshing. Yes. So um, I think that's the reality is, okay, now the one who is in control of all things He's my father, so mm -hmm. what shall I fear? Right. And um, th again, not to say that all everything's going to be yeah. roses and candy canes, but it means that I can walk through those mm -hmm. things, trusting that he has my um, my 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 end in Interest. mind. Yeah. <laughs> and that um, all things are going to work together for my good in Christ eternally. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's an amazing truth. Uh, I, I mean. For me, probably, I, I didn't want to, I was wondering if you would ask me that after I asked you that. Yeah. So I thought about this a little bit. And my answer is the same, but I'm going to throw a different one out just Copycat. because. <laughs> um, what, one of the things that's been most impactful in my life, obviously that, but in, in studying, because there are, Again, theology is all that God has to say about all of his creation, all of his truths. And in particular, when when God talks about his children, it's in the it's in the community of the church. And so uh, there are specific truths or, or doctrines that are in studies within scripture and ecclesiology is the study of the church. And that has been one of the most impactful things in my life is to study what is the church? Right. What does scripture mean when it talks about the body of Christ? What's the weight of that? What's the magnitude of that? What's the security in that? And um, that's been, you know, I would think, say a very close second to God's sovereignty is um, his, his truth statements about his church. Um, and... Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's had a big impact on knowing who I am in Christ. I mean, because what we see in our culture, as far as the average American everyday church, it can be very watered down. So to learn the truth, like you're saying, of what the church is, why it exists, what it is to God is very humbling and it's a very precious thing in right. that way to where it's not something that's so like a gym membership is right. a church membership. Like it's, it's so much more than that. And I know we'll have an episode on yeah. what the church is and some of those nuances. So we won't go too far there. Yep. Um, but I do have a, some, a couple more questions that okay. are kind of going with our second episode, which was doxology. Um, so do you think, and this is actually talking about the church members, so okay. I feel like this is a perfect transition here that I'm going with. You just made a perfect transition. I just did. Just Yep, you? I will. Um, <laughs> do you think the church member 
has any type of responsibility if their worship leaders are singing theologically wrong or just lacking songs. Hmm. Um, well, <laughs> responsibility is an interesting word, but um, I think there are a couple of things. There, there are songs that don't meet our preferences. Right. And there are songs that are have bad repercussions for the body of Christ. Yeah. Whether that's heresy, whether that's just kind of like, mm, it's not really kind of giving the magnitude of what it should, therefore can kind of lead people uh, a, a little bit of astray. Um, I think that's tough because... Um, I think I caught you off guard with this one a little bit. Well, but the the thing is, is we haul uh, all. I'm, and again, people are different. Some people have much more of a desire to tell people they're wrong yeah. than others. And so to answer this in one way could really just incite those people to go do that. And that's not the point. But the point is to understand, the, like you just said, the preciousness of the body of Christ the role of the body to glorify Christ. Right. So therefore, do we have a responsibility first to, to God to um, accurately portray his truth in song? Yes. Now, how that's done and delivered is another whole conversation. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, that can be done horribly. And, and it could be done out of just... I just don't like this song and therefore I'm going to go be a jerk about it. Um, and it could be, you know, very carefully done and, um, out of love and out of a sense of wanting what's best for the body of Christ. So I feel like, I mean, heresy, we we shouldn't stand for period. Right. And I think we, we kind of touched on that in the doxology episode that, you know, we, we shouldn't, and we wouldn't tolerate it in preaching yeah. or in books and we shouldn't in our songs either. And so, oh, excuse me. um, yeah, it, it's, uh, the method right. I think is, is, is an issue that requires a lot of delicate approach, but out of a care and concern for the body of Christ, for his truth to be accurately portrayed, uh, I do think there is a need to care about those things and then to be able to say, hey, I'm not sure this is right. Can mm-hmm. we talk about it? The one tough thing in is now in our culture, we lose the ability to be objective and have objective truth. Right. And everything is subjective. And it happens in this world of, of worship songs that we sing because someone can easily say, Oh, well, that's what you're saying that song means? Well, I don't mean it that when I sing it. Yeah. And then somebody else can say, well, I don't mean that when I sing it. And so I think it's important to assess the whole song and say, overall, what's the general truth that it's giving? And we can't, we can't um, really dictate how or even guess how every individual person is going to sing that and what they're going to mean. Right. So there has to be a level of, you know, assessing it and being wise about what we're going to sing based on um, how it can be mistaken. And then, you know, it's much easier and and wiser, I think, to sing songs that are clearly saying 
the truths that are objective. And like we wouldn't approach a Bible study and say, everybody go around the room and let's just say what we think this passage means. And it can mean something different to everybody. No, yeah. it doesn't. It's stating a truth and we're all trying to figure it out. And we might come away with something a little bit different in, as far as application of that truth. But yep. the truth needs to be pretty consistent. And I think the same is true of our songs. So, yeah, there's there's an issue there with overly subjective aspect of our songs. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think this may go right into, I don't know if you had anything else to say about that, or I have a question for you. No, you're good. So you quoted John Piper, and I probably won't say the quote exactly right. Probably but not. No. Um, saying that doxology, I'm going right along this topic, mm-hmm. singing songs um, that don't have a theological basis are like a bubble. And they're pretty or they're colorful. shiny, colorful, whatever. Um, but they're just empty mm-hmm. and they'll pop. And um, what was my question with that? I'm, that's why I have notes. So <laughs> um, what are some, oh gosh, yeah. What are some tendencies of songs that lack theological depth? Not song names or anything, but what what are kind of some of the similarities of songs that do lack theological depth? Well, dang, I had a whole list of songs here prepared to just say, nope, don't do that one, don't yeah. do that one. Um, no, so song- because our aim our aim is not to point out ministries or point out worship bands or point out people that are putting out music or music labels. Our objective is to say, hey, people, let's think seriously about what we're singing and what we're exactly. doing. So that's where we're going with it and not about the specific you know, things. So what are some of the tendencies? I'm sorry. Some tendencies of some songs that lack theological depth that there are specific groups that they could be made from that produce them, that it could lead them down that path. Um, I actually listened to a podcast recently where it was talking about some of those and I'm not going to name any artists or anything, but they even had someone on the podcast who had listened to those songs and was led by just songs to the group that the songs were made by and then was deceived into their teaching because of songs. And I was like, that makes perfect sense um, for someone who's like, oh, this is such a good song. Like, I love this truth and it makes me feel so good. And so, like, let me look up who made this, who wrote this. And then you get into a rabbit trail, rabbit hole of their movement or their teaching. And that could be a really dangerous thing. So I feel like from, like, church in general we should be very cautious about songs that lack theological depth that could be blatant like wrong lyrics or that could be just kind of what we said earlier ones that are kind of iffy or maybe don't show the whole full picture so being careful in that sense of what authors what um people we are leading them to perhaps That could be the case, that could not be the case, but just trying to be wise about that. And I'm not a church leader, so I'm sitting here just spitting advice. But but Let me ask that a little differently and see if if this might be where you're going. But I was curious as to, like, what are some of the similarities? Like, what are some of the things you hear in the songs that that are similar? 
uh, in the in songs that don't have much theological depth. And Tim kind of touched on this a little bit in our second episode. A lot of songs can be very inward focused, very about me or about self, about my experience and elevating that almost over truths of God and who he is and what he's done. So that's definitely a very dangerous thing to be cautious of because if we're starting to sing songs about ourselves and like, oh, not necessarily even great things that I've done, but just elevating my experience. I mean, first of all, like you said, the gospel isn't our experience. Like the gospel is the good news of Christ, period. And thankfully, I individually get to partake in that along with a big group of people who are now my brothers and sisters in Christ, obviously. But we can become very inward focused and start to think about ourselves more. Um, so, but a lot of singing is in response to what God has done. Yes. So there obviously is the place for singing songs that that do touch on what God has done for yeah. me. So what is the difference, I guess, and how do we balance that or how should that... I guess when, and a lot of our songs are in response to what God has done for us. So it is an experience and there should be an outflow of praise from that. I'm not saying none of our songs should have I or me in it, obviously, but if that's all we're singing, I feel like, like Tim said, there should be like a progression there and that will have its place. But if all we're singing on Sunday morning is about me and I and oh, thank you. Like, I mean, that from a personal experience standpoint, if that's all we're singing, that should be a red flag. And because that's all we're going to be thinking about, um, we need to have the progression of like Tim mentioned of, you know, God's glory and who he is and what, and then it will go into like what he's done. And from that flow is a, a humbling um, praise that, I might be included in only because of the work of Christ. Right. So it's not a a prideful me experience. It's a humble expression of praise because of what God has done. So it needs to be in balance with other truths about God as well, if that yeah. answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I guess one of the ways that I evaluate it is I like to think through a song and think if I took out the eyes and me's out of this song, would there be anything left of it? Hmm. And that usually gives me a pretty good gauge for what this song is really about. Yeah. And, um, yeah, absolutely. There, just as we talked about in that episode of, uh, Tim talking about basically singing through the grand narrative of scripture, which starts to parse out, you know, what I'm singing about God and adoration, what I'm singing about man and our fallenness and, um, God's work through Christ to remedy that. And then what am I singing about the future glorification of the saints and God's glory in that? One other thing is, I think just now that you throw that out there is, I think there's a tendency to not really talk about sin. Hmm. Um, there are a number of songs, and this happens even in preaching nowadays too, where things like shame and suffering are kind of substituted for sin. And if we're singing about Christ rescuing us, he's rescuing us from our sin. Yeah. And for us to equate our sin with our suffering are two different things. We suffer according to scripture 
because of our position with Christ right. and because of the world who who is in opposition to things of Christ. But we don't um, we do suffer because of our own sin, but that's not what we need rescuing from. We need yeah. rescuing from our sin. And um, so anyway, I think that's a tendency, but um, yeah, we can go on. What's your question? Yeah, we talked some about emotion in our second episode, but I guess I want to ask what place does emotion or feeling have in our corporate worship time? Well, the gospel elicits emotion. Yeah. I mean, if anyone should have an emotional response, it's the one who recognizes the gravity of their sin and the work of Christ on their behalf. Mm-hmm. So we're, emotion is not the driving force mm-hmm. behind. And that's where we have to be careful because songs, music is a plays a big role in our emotions. Yeah. You can ride down the road and listen to a song and all of a sudden you find yourself driving faster, hmm. <laughs> you know, because you didn't know it, but that music is impacting you. Yeah. You, you can be moved in all kinds of ways because of music. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that you're being impacted by something, you know, mm-hmm. and that it's affecting your emotions. So, Emotions are absolutely a result or should be a result of us singing through the tenets of how great God is and us having an understanding of that, us having an understanding of how wretched I am in comparison to God in my own nature. And we have an an emotional response to the work that Christ has done to remedy that for me. Mm -hmm. So, to say that we shouldn't have emotions is to not understand the gospel. Right. Um, but we have to be careful that we're not orchestrating emotions by creating the right type of song or having a song that's going to go to some emotional interlude that's going to kind of bring everybody down and then build them back up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and manipulative. It, it, so yeah. not to be led by emotions of the music but to be led by emotions of the truth that mm-hmm. we're singing. So emotions are a response and um, very real and um, I'd say, I would say good in that way because yeah. to sing those truths that we just talked about of God, the wretchedness of man, salvation through Christ, and not have any emotions um, almost would seem to mean that I don't really understand those things or haven't really been changed and and to know that that now i am a new creation Mm -hmm. so emotion should be grounded in truth i agree with that like i like to tell my um, teenage girls at youth that i help out with because feelings aren't reliable right (laughs) so it has to be grounded in truth yeah and then I guess this, I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand. You've kind of already answered it, but how would you, for maybe the overly emotional person or at a gathering where, you know, emotion is really emphasized, how would you recommend guarding against it being emotionally driven? And that might be a loaded question. For the individual? For the individual, yeah. 
Um, so there's a tendency, and we mentioned this in one of the episodes, I know for our own experience, yeah, to to have a suppression of the mind and of the thoughts. And there's a tendency, even in a worship setting, to kind of think that that's what should be done. Like I need to put, I need to just let go and let God, you know, yeah. be in the spirit. And um, that's actually contrary to scripture. Mm-hmm. And everywhere that Paul went, he went into a town and it would say he went in and he reasoned with the people. Mm-hmm. There's a, a pursuit of logic and reason and scripture um, to say, hey, here's, listen, think through this. And to strip that away from music um, is an issue. So it, to guard against that, I think we need to intentionally engage our minds. Mm-hmm. So I'm, for us to sit here at any gathering and, you know, whether the words are on a screen or in a book for us to really read the word, you know, or if we know the words, you know, as we're singing through them, let's think through the words and our mind is going to, is going to, um, either revel in that truth or have gravity of that truth in some way that affects our heart. And if we find ourselves being moved emotionally, and we realize that the words that we're singing really aren't anything of significance, then I think it's good for us to evaluate that and go, man, I don't know that I'm really being moved by truth, but I'm being moved by the music, the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, the whole atmosphere can affect us. We can be in a room full of a whole bunch of people that are having, you know, a quote unquote great experience and man, that's gonna, that's gonna kind of feed through all of us. And that doesn't mean it's of God. That doesn't mean it's uh, grounded in truth. And so, I th- I think forcing our minds to be engaged is necessary. I agree. Yeah, pursuing. You should disagree with something. Well, I'm sorry, but <sighs> okay, I disagree with the choice of outfit that you. <laughs> Does that count? Understandable. Yeah. Okay. Completely understandable. <laughs> What should I wear? You should wear something better. You should. That's get not. That's not Pacific. 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 All right. Let me be more Pacific. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I agree. Like our, it should be a, um, an intentional pursuit of yeah. the mind and of knowledge, not just to puff ourselves up in knowledge, but to be able to better understand who God is, which will have an outflow of emotion because we understand better who God is, his glory, what he's done for us and how wretched we are and that's going to that's going to flow right in praise. So we encourage you to send in any of your questions or comments. Uh, obviously there's no way in the world we can cover everything and, and again we don't know everything. Um, so everyone, you know, feel free to to comment or ask us questions. And um, we would love to continue digging into this. Yep. Thank you, Gracie. Yeah. Arlo, you want to come say bye? Say bye, Arlo. Bye, Arlo. The dogs have done great. Y'all have a good afternoon. (laughs) Take care. See ya.